Hey, Matt. Hey, Mike. Want to do a podcast? Yeah. Sweet. script, you may ask. Uh, we've talked about programming a lot. We've talked about applications, talked about languages, paradigms, all kinds of stuff. A script is basically, I would say it's like a small, quick program that does a generally a very specific thing. It's often written to be used on a command line, but sometimes it can have like GUI mm -hmm. application elements, especially if it grows over time. But generally it's just like, I need to do something on my computer, and I may have looked for a solution, but I couldn't find one, uh, and this thing I need to do is tedious, and I hate actually going through the whole process of typing out and figuring out all the things, so instead I'm going to write a script that I can just run, and boom, it does that thing I want, and I can move on with my life. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's like bespoke, custom, yes. utility type functionality yeah it, 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 it is it's not the end goal of whatever you're doing usually no. it's a step along the way of some other thing yeah and then you're just doing it and it's it's yeah it's a time saver more yeah than it's a little niche thing that just is annoying to do and you're like i just want to script that away uh you use the word bespoke and i realized that like when i started watching westworld they used bespoke and i'm like have i even heard that word before and then they used it constantly and now i feel like I don't know what that, that law is that now you feel like you hear it all the time. Yeah, rule of 23, that same thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what a script is. It's it's generally something you can write quickly. It's not Microsoft Word, you know, uh, or, you know, yeah. a web browser. It's not anything that you'd go off and sell or even, no. like, necessarily put out for other people to use. Yeah, except on GitHub, maybe, yeah. you know. And maybe. And yeah. Or as, like, a, a, a seed, a kernel, for people to start to build around at most, right, really. Right. But usually it's something very custom for your own your own problem. Yeah, it, it usually doesn't necessarily help other people, although sometimes it does, and that's generally when you put it on somewhere like GitHub so other people can use it. Yep, yep. So, uh, I figured we'd just kind of go back and forth and talk about some of them. Uh, so, Matt, why don't you go first? All right. Uh, when you asked me this question, one of the first things that popped into <laughs> my head was one of the first scripts, I guess, that I ever wrote, uh, which was actually written in BASIC, Mm, on Q basic or basic 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 okay. not right. even not visual basic not Q basic all right basic basic uh on a dos machine no windows this mm -hmm. was like amber monitor like mm -hmm. the old i don't think it had a hard drive it had two disc two floppy disk slots mm -hmm. um and i got it in my head uh my little teenager self that i didn't want random people to come into my computer so i wrote uh, a barrier to entry script uh that was effectively it was a password um, but it was uh, more difficult than that uh, because what it was is it was the entire bridge scene from Monty Python, Holy Grail. You know, what is your name? What is your quest? Mm -hmm. It was it was those three. And what uh, what is your name? What is your quest? What is your favorite color? I think is what I think it was those three questions. That it wasn't it the uh, airspeed of the unleaded. Yeah. No. Oh, okay. Uh, but you had to answer a very specific capitalization had to be right. Like it was a very 
difficult thing I, that you had to memorize to do. Right. Uh, I learned later you could just hit Control C to get out of it <laughs> and bypass it, but I didn't know that at the time. <laughs> that you know that sounds very much like the copy protection that they used on the old Sierra like King's Quest games. Oh yeah. You know you have to word four in sentence five and paragraph three. Yep. Yeah. Okay. That's very cool. Now, did anybody successfully hack it? Is that how you know that Control-C fixed it, or did you... No, I, I figured that out one day because I couldn't remember the exact <laughs> punctuation, and uh, Control-C, oh, that worked. Nice. <laughs> but, but but it did actually, it was useful for a time? Yeah, and no one ever tried to get into my computer. Right. The only person who might have was my mom or my little brother, and mm-hmm. as far as I know, they never did, and they would not have figured that out. So. Nice. Uh, so one of the ones that I wrote as part of my dot files, and if you don't know what dot files are, generally on a uh, Unix-based or Mac uh, OS-based system, you have a lot of user-specific configuration files, and they're usually hidden. And to make a file hidden in a Unix or Linux uh, file system, you put a dot at the beginning, and so you'd have like a dot... Uh, bash RC, which is for your your shell script, and it's essentially things that you would type when you log into your computer that set a bunch of settings, except obviously you don't want to set all those things every single time, so you write a config file that just runs it for you. That's a kind of script, but one of the, the things you can put in that are just simple functions. One simple function that I wrote once, uh, after going to uh, like like being at work and there being servers that I needed to connect to and I didn't uh, necessarily know, uh, you know, the CPU or the RAM or the storage or even what flavor of Linux was running on them. I just wanted to be able to type about at the command line and get useful information. And so I wrote a little script that starts with a command called NeoFetch, which is something you can download and gives you a little pretty picture of the, like... Um, you know, the, the the kind of flavor of Linux, you know, Debian or Red Hat or whatever, and then also, like, you know, the host name, the CPU, blah, 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 all that kind of spec. I And then if it doesn't have that, it goes to another slightly less, uh, you know, detailed thing. And if it doesn't have that, then it just does, like, it reads, like, a random file in Etsy slash release or does, like, what is the name of the computer? You, know? you name dash A. Right. <laughs> like, but, but at least I get something useful out of that, and, and, it, and it does, like, a... Like, um, you know, check if this exists, if not, do this, if not this, if not this, yeah. you know. And eventually, every Unix system has uname, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, sort of like gets down to the low. Tell me something about this computer. <laughs> yes, please. So so that's that, that's a fun one that I wrote. So what's another one you got, Matt? Um, let's see. Uh, at my, when I was at my last job, I was also doing some software development for, uh, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, for a theater. I'd written a scheduling web app. Right. With no calendar. Right. No, I had the calendar. Well, it didn't before, which is still Uh, astounding to me. (laughs) Um, So I was doing software dev for, and all on the same computer, for work, for the theater, and then my own stuff. And so I had multiple different GitHub accounts. Mm Mm-hmm. And I got really frustrated at having to do at all the rigmarole you have to do to when you do a Git clone and then set your credentials correctly and then have your the right name and email address that goes into your commits and all those things. And I'm sure there's a tool out there that does it, but none of them did them the way, the way I wanted. So I wrote a really quick and dirty Python script that would that effectively wrapped the git clone command and would uh, let me specify if I was doing it for work, the theater, or myself mm-hmm. as the second command. And so it was 
it looked just like instead of typing git space clone thing, it would type git dash clone dot pi space the type mm-hmm. mat <laughs> space thing, and then it would clone with all those things correctly done. Yeah, uh, it was a nice time saver. Now I'm not doing anything other than my work work on my computer, so I don't have that problem. Yeah, no, that that sounds awesome. Yeah, that sounds like something that I would write. If you know, because that yeah, that's exactly the kind of thing that is just like, it doesn't need that script. But if you do it enough times, and it's just like, oh, this is tedious. You yep. write something that automates it for you. The uh, be- the best programmers are lazy programmers, <laughs> right? Because they're always thinking of ways to automate it. <coughs> uh, speaking of which, as a web developer, a lot of times I do local development of websites, and that means that I need a a server. Uh, an HTTP server so that I can like put a website on something and go to it in a browser. Um, lots of programming languages have their own simple HTTP server, uh, not as full fledged as something like Apache or something like that, but just enough to handle, you know, HTML or PHP. And uh, so I wrote a bunch of little scripts that will just call their version of the simple server, but also they need ports. And so you have to reserve a port for every project that you put up there. So I wrote a little script that just uh, grabs a random unused port and throws it to that function so that all I have to do is just spin up a thing and I don't have to think about what the computer's resources are because I often work on multiple web projects at once. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lifesaver to where I can't even remember not using that script to spin up a web server on my computer. Like that's... But also... Very simple, not a lot of error checking. I think when you said quick and dirty, the dirty part of that yep, is really exactly like that. it just because you're running it, you don't have to worry about other people doing weird stuff to it. You know how it should run, and if and if if it breaks, it's on you. Yeah, if you typed git clone Mike thing, it wouldn't have worked. Right, it would have just thrown an error and not a pretty one. Right, <laughs> and and you would have gotten an angry phone call from someone. You know, if that were actually out in the wild. Yeah, yeah, th- and yeah, I do think that's a critical piece of when you're talking about scripting is, is, is exactly that. Yeah. There's not a lot, you can add a lot to it, but that starts to then become more of like an actual application or program. Like, like actually, do you have a line in the sand on when you say, okay, this is not a script anymore. This is an application or like, is it when you add air checking, when you add a GUI, like what's, the dividing line, really. Fre- frequently, it's when someone else other than me is going to use it. <laughs> right. When it gets shared. Yeah. There's yeah. not... Uh, I think script is one of those terms that is super overloaded. Mm-hmm. I think most people, when they say scripting, they would mean like shell scripting. And that's right. very specifically, I wrote this thing using actual Unix commands mm-hmm. and just put it in a file and it runs it in this order. Right. But then you start getting into that weird gray area with things like Perl and Python and Ruby that are interpreted languages and so are running effectively as a script. Mm-hmm. Anything in Python technically is right. a script. But yeah, I, probably when I start throwing in classes, that's usually <laughs> when I stop, yeah. when it stops being a script to me. Right. But another thing that I wanted to point out about scripts is that I feel like it's definitely an entry point into programming. Definitely. Is that like you start using a, com- a computer, you don't know any programming, you get on a command line and you start typing things and you realize at some point that you're typing something over and over and over again or or you just need to have something set up before, you know, to, to get something done and you're like thinking, well, how do I do that? How do I make that happen so I don't have to do this tedious thing? And you learn about scripting and you write your first script and then... Yeah. 
the world is your oyster, yeah. potentially. Batch files on DOS. Oh, batch right. Files. Yeah, yeah. Figuring out autoexec.bat and config.sys yeah. back in the day. Things like, I mean, even simple things like aliases for more complicated commands. Like, yeah. oh, I don't want to type ls-la, and then, oh, I want color in there. So yeah. what's that look like on this machine? Is it dash capital G or is it dash dash color? Mm-hmm. You just alias it. That's like entry-level scripting yeah because it kind of is yeah yeah i I mean i've even uh worked on a ruby program that used essentially like a command line parser so i had to think about okay how does a command line program work Mm -hmm. and the arguments you can give it and what happens if you give it a wrong argument all that kind of stuff so it it you know it starts as a simple script and it can blossom into something much bigger uh did you have another script you want to talk about uh yeah another one i wrote is when my wife and I got a digital camera back in like 2002, back before she was my wife, um, my wife, uh, <laughs> Take my wife, please. Yeah. Sorry. Um, she and I started to back up all of our photos to a common, eventually we started backing them all up to a common networked drive, like a NAS. Right. Um, and without any sort of organization, we, those, it became really difficult, you know, before Google photo, mm-hmm. um, and we couldn't find things and, uh, our camera didn't save the exif data, which is just like information about the picture correctly all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we would run into situations where the picture thought it was taken in like the year 2000 or something, but it was actually taken in 2012 mm-hmm. and you're like, all right, I, I want to fix that. So I wrote a script that would let her go in there and manipulate the exif data really easily. Uh, and then I, I actually threw a little TK interface on top of that so that she didn't have to run it from the command line. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was super simple, did one thing that no one else was ever really going to need. Um, and I there were actually programs out there that let you do that, but they were all way overcomplicated. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. we just want to modify the date. Yeah. I'm not trying to strip off the location information or anything yeah. else. Well, and, you know, with sites like GitHub they're you know people are sharing their their code for applications and simple scripts and so there's lots of resources for these when you run into these things you want to do to automate but that's another interesting thing about scripts is that you may find something that uh is good but you want to modify it so you so there you're scripting again or you just don't find anything and you're like well i guess i need to write it myself boom you're scripting again so there's there's many different entry points into you're not a programmer, but you want to do something and you realize, you know, this is how you could use programming to solve your issue. Exactly. Uh, speaking of which, uh, I'm a big uh, Minecraft player, uh, or I have been over the years, and which means that uh, I've tried my hand at running my own Minecraft server. And that means having to run Java on the command line. Uh, but also, if you want it to be at all kind of fancy... Uh, you you want to have a server that you can run this on. So I have like a little um, Linux VM in the cloud and I wrote a script once that essentially uh, I could go in and I, I made like a whole user account just for that uh, to run the server for Java or for Minecraft that people would connect to and be on a separate screen like using the screen command, which I'd never really used I love before. The screen command. Yeah, uh, it's it's it allows you basically to log into a server once, but have multiple things going on and be able to switch between them. Whereas before I did that, I would just log into the server multiple times, which is you know the uh, the, the new way of doing it. Uh, but I had to write a, a a script to start up the server and with all the right configuration, and then also be able to stop it 
And, and, you know, that could grow big depending on, like, if you want to take the server down to do patches, you can have, like, a give a five-minute warning, mm. hey, the server's going down, so there's, you know, there's an if-else right there. Uh, so that's another fun thing you can do with scripting is, you know, there's a lot of Minecraft players and there's a lot of people who want to run it locally. Well, scripting will help you there, so. There you go. Yeah. Um, the last one I'll talk about is uh, one that sort of evolved over time. So my mom worked in uh, like in an accounting office. She was a, an enrolled agent, not quite a CPA, but basically uh, did my taxes for years. Um, so I grew up uh, knowing the importance of balancing my checkbook. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that's a really tedious process when you do it by hand. Mm -hmm. uh, and you pull out a calculator. And then I didn't always have my checkbook with me, but I still wanted to balance my bank account. So I wrote a... I think it was originally in Perl and then was in Ruby at one point and then in Python uh, program that basically just did checkbook balancing, right? Like you put in your entry, whether or not that entry had cleared. Um, and then originally what that was is I edited a text file and then the script ran against that mm -hmm. and gave me my total. And like if there was a discrepancy, like where it started, like would print out a running total. Eventually I wrote using like an NCurses interface to it nice. on the command line where like it actually had... Uh, a menu and you could go in and like say oh i want to mark that one as 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 completed or whatever and add new lines delete lines right to that same text file ultimately still keeping the text file um now it actually runs on amazon on aws <laughs> as a lambda function um backed by dynamo db uh and there's fancy and there's individual lines of code but I can get to that from any machine. Yeah. Uh, and it's got an actual, like, it requires a username and password to get in. It's secure. Um, just for balancing my checkbook. Yeah. But that, that's one that I've had for over a decade that has grown with me over time. Actually, over two decades, I think, at this point. Now, is there any reason why you didn't transition that to a, uh, like, a, a, a desktop program? Uh, it was. I mean, it was a, oh, as opposed to just, like, a script. Yeah. Um, no. No. Well, because, <laughs> I mean, you started adding GUI elements, so yeah. that's where I would think well, you might Well, the that. reason I didn't go to a desktop when I started adding the GUI elements is I ultimately wanted to be able to get to it from anywhere, right? Oh, okay. I didn't yeah. want to have to be... It's on this machine. I wanted all my information. So, like, it was on my personal server, mm -hmm. and I would SSH in and run... and But I, you know, I had the NCurses thing, so it had to all be text-based. Right. And now it's still on that same server, mm -hmm. uh, but accessible through the web because why not yeah well i mean and in a previous episode where we talked about wordle i mean making it a web app rather than a an app was definitely a good way to go yeah. because of just yeah being able to get it from everywhere uh the the last uh, script i want to talk about is when i was uh as i previously mentioned when i was working on uh gem warrior which was this ruby text adventure uh thing that i worked on very fun yeah, oh, thank you. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to do among many features, because that was just, that thing just bloated every day. It was like, this is the coolest thing ever. What else can I add to this to make it more interesting? Was uh, when you start up a new game, it asks you to put in a name, which is very normal for any kind of game, uh, RPG, where you're role-playing something. But I'm like, well, but what if I just want to start it and I don't want to actually think of a name? How can I automate that? So um, I came up with a, a I, I wanted a name generator. I wanted something that would generate a, a you know, a reasonable sounding name. And so I looked into these things called Markov chains, which are essentially a way to give 
I mean, I don't know if you would call it AI or machine learning. It's it's kind of low tech. It's like AI, not even AI. It's it's machine learning one hundred and one. Yeah, <laughs> it's like so, real early in there. Yeah, it's like okay, take this list of uh, names that 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 you know humans would recognize as names, and then be able to use that as a source to when I say give me a new name and use that as sort of like you know a template, a structure. Yeah, a structure of, of like okay, what does a name generally have? Yeah. Anyway, I found this guy online. His name is Drow, and he's at like Drow at Ben.sh, and he has a ton of like role playing and D and D scripty things. He has like map generators and maze generators and all that kind of stuff. And he had a name generator that was in JavaScript. Now I was writing this in Ruby, so I translated it from JavaScript to Ruby, which was its own interesting thing. And then that basically became a library. And so now on my command line, I can just type Rand name and it will use that library and generate as many you know names as i want so i was able to use it for the program i was also able to use it just for general function but i was also like well i love occasionally being able to just think of a random thing for any purpose so i added like song lyrics i added uh random just general text files like grab words out of a random sentence but you know that script is just is, is interesting anytime i start a new project or a new album, or a new whatever, and I just need a name for it, because naming things is hard, uh, and I just want something to start with, I use that script, and it's been invaluable for years. That's fun. Yeah, I love uh, things like that. Yeah. Especially when but they no get to But no one else would care about that, yeah. probably. <laughs> or maybe. But, I don't but know. you get to use it. And yeah. it, absolutely, somebody like, that kind of thing could just... I use things like that when I'm playing D&D. &D. Mm -hmm. There are name generators for characters, and yeah. I, I'm terrible at coming up with names, so I just go on there... I hit random a bunch of times till I find one I like. I'm like, right. yep, Solius, great. Right. That's his name. Yeah. Well, and I did start out the random generator with literally just pick random letters to form, you know, a word, even if it wasn't a real word. But I'm like, okay, that doesn't work. And that's what yeah. led me to the Markov chain. I'm like, okay, I want it to yeah. actually be a reasonable word that yeah. you can pronounce. Can it kind of look like a name? Yeah. yeah. Does it kind of, is it pronounceable? Yeah. All right, great. But, you know, that was a really fun you know, exercise to, to work on and, and it's super useful for me. So I think that's why scripting is so cool. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, uh, I think that's the end of our talk about our favorite scripts. Hopefully that uh, inspires you to write some of your own scripts. Yeah. Like I said, I think it's a great entry point into programming. If you think programming is like this big wall that, that's too hard to approach, just use a computer for a while. You will find something that's tedious that you want to automate. Scripting is is what you do. Laziness is your friend. Yeah, exactly. And that ends this episode. And now we return you to your regularly scheduled lives already in progress. Mm -hmm.